Welcome to the New Space India podcast, a bi-weekly talk show that exclusively captures insightful conversations with people contributing to advancement of space activities in India. The New Space India podcast is pleased to announce our association with Dassault Systems, a global leader in providing business and people with collaborative virtual environments to imagine sustainable innovations. Dassault Systems Solutions supports startups small and medium sized enterprises and original equipment manufacturers in developing disruptive solutions for space launchers and satellite propulsion recently a supply chain digitization study with dassault systems was conducted to provide a foundational understanding of the supplier landscape in the indian space ecosystem please use the link in the description to download the public white paper of the results of this study which will also give you a perspective on how ready indian suppliers are to enter the global space market sudarshan uh, welcome to this episode of the new space india podcast thank you darling so you have been involved in the early days of isro through and industry cooperation and the whole thing of how we see today coming together with many many missions and tremendous amount of industry being involved in the space program so i wanted to take time to converse with you on how this came about uh, and you know how the early days of cooperation with between isro and industry happened before we do that can you give us a little bit about your own background and how you got involved in isro i did my chemical engineering from iit madras immediately followed up with my iim amdavad uh, mba so i passed out in 1970 and father of the indian space program was there who is also the founder of uh, iim amdavad he had also you know earlier two years earlier given me from his hands my uh, degree in iit madras convocation so he interviewed me at iim amdavad campus and uh, i shown some interest in the space program at the time uh, i'm sorry he was the chairman of the nuclear program after the baba died so i showed some interest in the nuclear program space program was infinitesimal i'm talking of 1970 just about started so he he wanted me to join his group in bombay called the program analysis group so i told him that uh, you know sir i just accepted a job from sandos and according to institute rules uh, i cannot go for a second job that, those were the rules at that time so he just laughed and i interpreted that is uh, if if i'm keen i should make the effort myself so i rang up mr nehru who had recruited me in sandos became a son and he laughed and said that uh, if you want to go and join dr sarabhai i think it's a great idea you should do it and don't worry about the institute rules i'll speak to the director and get you relieved from those rules so that's what happened and that's how i took up a job at half the salary that uh, sandos had offered me and that's how i joined the program analysis group of vikram sarabhai in the nuclear program now this group was quite exciting it was a techno managerial consultancy internal consultancy group of the nuclear program brainchild of uh, dr sarabhai very few of us three or four of us and uh, kept expanding then suddenly within two years dr sarabhai passed away and i still continued in the nuclear program i was in charge of uh, all studies to do with the uh, applications of isotopes and radiation in health food preservation in industry in agriculture everything 
So I was kind of focal point in the in ISRO, I mean in uh, atomic energy for this. Uh, soon after a few years later, I was getting requests from ISRO headquarters, which had been set up in Bangalore to see if I was interested in joining them. I showed interest and that's how I shifted to Bangalore and joined ISRO headquarters under Professor Satish Dhawan, who succeeded uh, Sarabhai as chairman. So that's how my involvement in ISRO started, 1976. That is six years after I joined Atomic Energy. Six years I spent in Atomic Energy and then many years in ISRO after that. I was put in charge as the nodal point of the space program for propellants, chemicals, special materials, composites, and things like that, and a few other portfolios. So I was the focal point of a program which really accounted for about 50% of uh, uh, VSSC, Vikram Sarabhai Space Center. So that kept me very busy, but very soon I realized that there's much more to it, that I have to find suppliers or industries within India who would be willing to put their necks out and take up responsibilities to take our technologies and scale them up and set up industries. I was very keen on the private sector at that time and one or two experiments of mine in the public sector did not do well. So I was focused on small, medium entrepreneurs, techno entrepreneurs in the private sector. We also offered simultaneously a technology transfer program for our technologies and identified 100 technologies of ISRO from various centers, mostly from Vikram Sarabhai Space Center, but other centers as well for transfer. A few of these were technologies which could be jointly scaled up with the private sector company and then transferred. And a few of them also were technologies which could be transferred and the products by, bought back by ISRO. They were also required by ISRO as well as others. So we had several categories of people and strategies were defined for each category. We identified 100 plus critical products and technologies. I identified this list. This list was critical because there were seven countries, the Western countries had imposed sanctions on India after the uh, nuclear blast from 73 and 74 onwards. Atomic energy was under severe restrictions and ISRO was also being affected by that. So 1976 onwards, I identified these products as critical for us to indigenize or develop new routes and get them transferred to industries within India. So these were 100, approximately 100 products and technologies. So this was done. And I remember showing it to Professor Satish Dhawan, my boss at that time. And he said, I agree with you. Uh, but you have to do this very confidentially. I understood what he meant and went about a very confidential, quiet program to transfer these products and technologies. It started working when I joined in uh, 1976. ISRO had indigenized. Uh, ISRO had transferred only two technologies, both from VSSC. And by the time I left, which was in uh, 1988, uh, when I left the space program, we had transferred some more than 100 uh, technologies from ISRO to industry, mostly to private sector and mostly to small and medium companies in the private sector. But there were also exceptions. 
there were large ones like you have identified Walchandnagar, Godridge, LNT, HAL, which took up large jobs, which small companies could not take. And there were also companies which were, I would say, medium to large, like MTAR Hyderabad, the companies of this kind, which showed a lot of interest those days. But the majority of com companies in India were hesitant not to take our technologies, but were hesitant to get into buyback guarantees and things like that, or do joint development, because they were not very convinced. They were not sure that, uh, you know, we would not be like any other government department. So this took some time to convince the private sector, and we had to encourage the private sector to join hands with us. It was a campaign which was done relentlessly, and it worked. I'm happy to say that by the time I left ISRO in 1988, uh, there were only about two or three out of the 100 that were left, which are still in the process of getting indigenized uh, in the private sector. So this was what happened in ISRO. And we had to support the private sector companies, small, medium, large, in many unusual ways to win their trust, to win their confidence. One example is uh, Andhra Sugars in Andhra, the medium scale company. Uh, they were very keen on uh, uh, one or two technologies from us for liquid propellant, UDMH, which we badly needed to indigenize in India for our liquid rockets. They had some hesitations about, you know, what scale, our scale looked very small for them. So they were wondering what is the future if we take up this technology and they had to set up a plant to produce the product and sell it back to us. So did some research and found out that there is a chemical that is being imported from US to India and uh, comes to Madras. And uh, when we analyzed it, we found out that it was just a 2% solution of UDMH, nothing else. UDMH plus water. So we pointed this out to these people, Andhra Sugars, and they asked, what is this being used for? We don't know. So we figured out that this was used by apple growers in Himachal Pradesh, in Jammu and Kashmir for apples in very small concentrations for growth of these apples. It's a, uh, it was a growth promoter for apples, which made them very red and very lustrous. So he, so they found, <laughs> immediately found an import substitution market in Jammu and Kashmir and Himachal Pradesh. And their quantities that they required, that they could market, went up many fold. So this is one example where we had to go the extra mind to convince people in the private sector to take up our technologies and make a success of them. The other one was a strange case where we wanted a solid propellant binder called HTPB, very critical for the future of the solid propulsion in Israel. It's being used even now. This was, I'm talking about 19, uh, mid 80s. So we took up the matter with only two companies in the country, one in the private sector and one in the public sector, who were capable of doing this because they had the infrastructure. One was IPCL in Baroda, and the other was uh, NOSL, National Organic Chemical, in the private sector near Bombay in, in Panvel. So we initially ruled out IPCL, then tried to induce uh, NOSL to take this up. The managing director laughed at me when I approached him for this proposal. He said, Mr. Sudarshan, 
we are uh, we take up a minimum of 30000 tons for a product for us to produce and you are asking me to do 30 tons how is that possible so i mean it didn't go well and uh, we parted as good friends and uh, lo and behold two months later i get a call from mr patwardhan of nosil managing director told me look we are being asked by the department of chemicals in delhi to vacate our premises in panvel because of pollution problems we have tried our best to explain that it's not easy for us to vacate a 30000 to 100000 ton plant so i'm just telling you this because i don't know whether you will be able to help i spoke to prasudhavan wrote a letter to mrs othima bodhi as a secretary for chemicals and explained to her that this we are planning to ask uh, nosil to produce this very critical thing for the space program can you please help if they are to vacate from there from panvel it will be very difficult for the space program to source this because we have been trying very hard to source this from the indian industry sure enough within a month a letter came from the department of um, uh, chemicals mrs othima bordia saying in view of what you have said we are uh, not going to force nosil they can continue where they are and the pollution barrier on them has been waived you can realize how happy nosil was and how happy uh, andhra sugars was in a session in parliament i read in the papers i did not even know that there was such a session going on this session was started by opposition members this was during rajiv gandhi's time as prime minister opposition members said that look so many government laboratories they are a waste of money they are not accountable at all their performance is pathetic so on now after hearing from a lot of opposition members there were two opposition members one opposition member who was a member of parliament that is the chairman of andhra sugars who later became minister ramaya he got up and related the story with isro on apples and things like that and how they are prospering because of the government laboratory and simultaneously there was an article by mr patwardhan saying look this is what isro has done for us so let us not tar everybody with the same brush that was the end of the debate in parliament and isro got a lot of mileage for that so by that time you know our stock was pretty high we had we were getting successes in the space program and satellites and so on uh, but uh, this was very much talked about that we have spin off benefits that we are spin off technologies and we are helping industries in various other areas spin off areas not just directly in the space program for the space program so these were some of the instances that i can relate where we needed to go well beyond our mandate and go far beyond to convince the private sector that we are with you be with us and we can do this together of course the public sector companies like bel hl uh, their role continued hl and bel were critical for us we set up separate divisions called isro hl isro bel divisions for furthering the joint activities of isro and bel and hl etc but it was realized very clearly right in the beginning that there is a great need to open up to the indian industry as a whole and much of it is going to be in the private sector so this is an adventure that started in the 
in in the in the late 70s and went on and on and on it was a, more than a decade the program till i left and i think it's still going on i had just convinced cabinet that we should have a separate organization called antrix space industry cooperation antrix and to give a boost to export of satellites launch vehicles services components subsystems and technologies we were keen on exporting technologies and products we opened all agreements of which we had with the private sector to enable them to export seamlessly we only put one caution that if they want to export to two particular countries you can guess who they have to take our prior permission otherwise they are free to export so this was very much appreciated by private sector partners and we used to get very good reports about the quality of the products that were being exported by the industry here so this was a real adventure and there were hardly any critical materials in after the 10 year or after the 10 12 year campaign hardly any critical materials or components or, or technologies that we needed to we, we really found them critical we had become self sufficient i think it can illustrate it can be illustrated if you look at the total indigenous content of launch vehicles or satellites of different different countries take all countries in the world look at the indigenous content no country in the world will have such a high indigenous content as india to isro no country in the world because all of them could import from anywhere we had restrictions on us so we used that to our advantage to make it a indigenous program a highly indigenous program this also explains what people don't understand that our satellites and launch vehicles are by far the cheapest in the world they are made in india their components are made in india subsystems are made in india very few things are imported so this is the story of the indigenization campaign self sufficiency campaign it was in a sense forced on us because there were seven countries the paris convention seven countries which said look it barred india from importing anything they were and all these 100 that i had listed were all in that list banished banned for india there were some funny things also that happened the us nasa used to import ammonium perchlorate which is the oxidizer for solid propellants from a big canadian plant it so happened unfortunately that one day the canadian plant blew up nasa was desperate they had only at that time only two three sources one was japan and another was france the japanese raised the price tremendously and france regretted that it could not uh, uh, it needed it for its own program and uh, could not uh, supply more than so the quantity which was too limited for nasa so nasa did a search and found that the indians have a plant or two we had set up a plant in uh, uh, ambarnath in near bombay in bombay and uh, one in ammonium perchlorate plant in alwa in kerala with our own technology the technology that started with karaikudi ccri which was scaled up by us and made a big big big, big plant and we doubled the capacity uh, of this plant so they approached us very tentatively what we did was uh, we played a bit of a game we offered them any quantity that they wanted because we said we can scale up our plant in no time and we said this will be the price which is probably the cheapest in the world 
they can't get it at that price anywhere and we also told them this is a quality and send them the quality and we also told them that the feature of our ammonium perchlorate is it is not bimodal like it is elsewhere in the world it is trimodal which will improve the combustion quality combustion capacity tremendously they were surprised uh, they didn't believe us they asked for a sample i wrote back to them asking how much do you want how many tons do you want they only wanted a sample so we were playing the fool with them so they we we sent them a big sample and they analyzed the big sample and then came back and said we are interested in buying they said you will have to come to you can come to either bangalore or bombay for negotiations uh, and they said we will coming we are sending a small team he said i insist that you send somebody from the commerce department they were a little puzzled this is a matter that could have been handled directly by nasa and there was no need for commerce department i insisted you must send somebody from the commerce department along with you so the team came and we negotiated i gave them the best possible price they could have got which is peanuts and assured them quantities okay then i looked at the commerce man commerce department man who had come and said look uh, you are one of the seven countries that have banned india from receiving these any of these 100 critical items one of them happens to be ammonium perchlorate you have banned it for export to us and you want us to supply to you fine no problem you know issue all we want is you remove the ban on the remaining items for export to india though we have indigenous most of them they said how can we do that I said look we are both democracies now tomorrow somebody in parliament will get up and say will the prime minister be pleased to state why isro is supplying so on so critical material to the united states when the united states has banned it from supply to isro what will the prime minister of india do he got the message they went back we didn't hear anything about it later and that was the end of it so but this is a stage managed so this was some of the things incidents where we have to go beyond our mandate beyond our immediate responsibilities to get going some of these incidents i have a belief that eventually that these incidents these narrations eventually the public mind not the public mind the governmental mind in the us gradually changed and over a period of time i think it became more and more favorable towards india certainly after 911 and all that it was definitely more favorable to india even before that it started becoming more favorable to india so i'm glad that i was there during a time of dramatic changes in the policies which also influenced the policies of the us and the western countries having said that i must say that even during the worst period there were two countries uh, which were close to india that was france excellent cooperation with india even during the worst period and germany and uh, france and germany have remained friends especially the Fr- french enduring friendship throughout with the space program with isro to this day germany was being discriminated against after the war and germany was not allowed either rocket technologies or uh, nuclear technologies so 
for satellites, they found that they could depend on ISRO for small satellites, small rockets, they could depend on ISRO. Friendship with Germany grew in that fashion. We were not equal. We, we were independent. We could develop what we wanted, satellites or launch vehicles. But Germany had restrictions on it. Most of them are gone now. So this is the kind of friendship we maintain. Of course, with Russia, we had an enduring friendship in the space program. The first Russian, I mean, first Indian satellite, Aryabhat, was, uh, you know, a lot of subsystems came from Russia, from the USSR. And that that friendship has continued. It's an enduring uh, program. You talked about uh, how, you know, Sarabhai recruited you and then, you know, then Dhawan took over and this earlier industry cooperation with ISRO began with public and then private sector as well. First chairman of the technology transfer group was my very good friend of mine, Dr. V. Siddhartha. Right. But he didn't stay for long. He had for health reasons to go to Delhi. I took over as the chairman of uh, technology transfer and then started this program for uh, indigenization, uh, industry transfer. I also started the consultancy service, which was an idea of Dr. V. Siddhartha. The ISRO consultancy service we found could reach us to a large number of small and medium and even large industries because they started using ISRO facilities and technology through a consultancy service. So they could get closer to scientific groups in ISRO and they could use our facilities, which no industry could afford testing facilities, for example. So this was a very popular program that um, hit off very well, hit off very well as soon as it started. I, what I wanted you, uh, you to elaborate is, um, what is the case for industry to collaborate with ISRO in the early, early days? Because um, as far as, you know, at that point of time is concerned, so 70s or so on, there is no big uh, volume in, in that sense. So there is, uh, not many, you know, rockets or satellites going up on a yearly basis, hardly everything being in development and so on. It's yeah. more of a research project rather than a production project. And uh, of course, you know, at that point of time, I could understand that maybe industry is skeptical because this is not a volume game for them. And, you know, perhaps there's going to be procurement in uh, the very, very low numbers and possibly even in very low timelines as well, as in it may take years for something to be procured and not in the matter of weeks or, or days or so on, which most people expect in, in, in industry and in a lot of the SMEs as well. So what is the case for industry development and when is the exact time frame you think that conversation started within ISRO? Conversation started within ISRO? Right. For what? To involve the industry. Oh, that was there from the beginning. That was there very much from the beginning. Uh, Professor Dhawan was uh, intellectually all for it. Dr. Siddhartha was put in charge of that initially and uh, I was all for it, no question about that. So this conversation was going on in ISRO when I joined in 1976. By that time, only LNT, Walchandnagar and another company called Anup in Baroda were involved in supplying hardware to ISRO for the launch vehicle program. There were nobody supplying for this anything for the satellite program, nor other materials like propellants, etc. Nobody was supplying. So 
there was a this is a long felt need now what was the your question is uh, what was in it for the private sector for small and medium people linking with isro had many benefits they could get consultancy for nothing for practically nothing if they wanted to technologies they could get it for a song more than anything the country was churning out people from iits etc who had set up small scale industries in industrial zones like pinya rajajinagar uh, gindi in madras all over the country small 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 efforts now they needed help in testing in consultancy in associating with our scientists and engineers our scientists and engineers in vssc shrikota etc etc were only too happy to help them to associate with them and see that as a partial contribution from them outside the space program so you had linkages being built up right from the beginning and these linkages were publicized and became popular and we used to write about them that's one of the things i used to do a lot write a lot about this in the media so even though this was a fledgling program this was a tiny program the space program at the time which you described it soon became popular beyond its size for what it was trying to reach and do and we used to get a few responses from our beneficiaries also used to write about this so the, the news spread among the small and medium sector very fast that you know there is something you can get from isro okay let me tell you let me give an example there is a hyderabad company which was making solar panels you know very well that uh, satellites require solar panels this hyderabad company was making for ground applications earthbound applications they were looking ahead they were looking a little far ahead and decided that look uh, we have to improve our quality if you have to become a global player small or big so they wanted consultancy from isro very clever of them for quality control and improving the quality and going virtually to space quality for their ground based uh, solar panels they were not really looking at selling uh, panels for satellites but they were looking at you know how can we improve our quality if we if we approach space quality our quality will automatically improve the very clever ploy by them very clever uh, very sensible so we mentioned this to isro satellite center bangalore people there that uh, small section that was making uh, solar panels and uh, they were very appreciative of this they took up this company within one year or two years i think they upgraded this company quality control to such a level that this company had no uh, competitor within india at that time eventually of course many couple of decades later this company became a global player shifted their plant to fujaira and took over a german company bought a german company and became one of the global players in solar panels and solar cells so it sometimes starts with small beginnings but if it has the right intention and more than right intention if the both the parties join hands and 
sincerely transfer know-how. It works and it has a great, uh, uh, great future for that company. And for the team in ISRO, it's a, what was a great uh, sense of pleasure. We used to nominate the ISRO teams for the national awards, NRDC awards. And uh, practically every year, there'd be one award or the other for uh, the re relevant ISRO team, mostly from ISRO Satellite Center or Vikram Sarabhai Space Center or uh, the Space Application Center in Ahmedabad. So these are some of the things. So those which companies who are looking far ahead have benefited a great deal by this long association with ISRO and benefiting step by step, step by step, step by step. They, they kept faith. Both uh, sides kept faith in each other and both have done very well. Uh, if you look at uh, that ratio, I was saying the percentage of uh, uh, indigenization in any ISRO satellite is far higher than that of any other country. No other country can match us. So one of the things that uh, you mentioned there is um, these buyback schemes and you know confidence building measures essentially with the industry to uh, you know have them work with you. I imagine you know having uh, read the Department of Space uh, procurement manual, even the recent ones that uh, procurement through the government of India rules is a very challenging topic and has been a very challenging topic for a long, long time. And uh, it's very difficult to move anything beyond standard operating procedures and in procurement rules and everything else that um, you, know, you can architect something new that uh, can be followed. Uh, so I'm assuming that this buyback scheme and technology transfer and everything else that you did uh, with ISRO and in the industry was possibly the first time and the first such template laid down by any government institution in India to work with industry. Is that correct? I really don't know if that's correct. I'm very happy, but I don't know. I don't want to take credit for something uh, unique. I don't know. It might not have been done, but I do recall that I had six years in atomic energy before I joined ISRO. I do recall fairly clearly that uh, atomic energy was regularly transferring, know, not know-how, uh, worked with the industries like LNT and Walshanagar and we were buying things from them. But these were mainly fabrication contracts. There were no technology uh, transfer associated except expertise being transferred. So I think I would think that atomic energy came a little close, but ISRO went far ahead. The buyback scheme and everything else, um, was it uh, something that was taken on face value as in that this would be the scheme and this would be the procurement or did it also have to go through any you know policy approval, uh, approvals above ISRO, for example, above the Department of Space? And, you know, because I, I'm trying to connect that because I'm trying to see how that innovation in procurement rules and procurement guidelines can happen today where the innovation can happen through industry doing R&D also alongside ISRO as of today. Whenever you transfer a technology to an industry for the purpose of their scaling up and you want to buy a portion of that back as buyback, automatically when you transfer and they scale up, you have to sit with them, hold their hands. So that way, there is a transfer of know-how taking place informally 
as part and parcel of the technology transfer. When you do this, you will automatically find that we have a contract. We have a technology transfer agreement with that particular company or companies. When we have that contract, as part of that contract, since the one of the intentions of the transfer was to productionize that product and buy it back for use by the space program, a clause is put saying that we will give you an assurance to buy back so and so amount. And the rules of government, etc., cannot come in the way because we are transferring it to one product, one, one supplier, one industry, or two industries. And we are putting buyback uh, clauses there so that we need them for the space program. On the one hand, the final product is also required by the space program. On the other hand, it's a technology transfer as part of a technology transfer program. So there's no conflict, no bureaucracy, nothing coming in the way. I, I don't see, we have never had any problem right from the right from the beginning in technology transfer and buyback agreements. We had to take care of a couple of things. One is partial buyback means the rest can be sold by the industry anywhere. Only there we had to put a cautionary clause saying you can sell anywhere in the world except two particular companies, uh, countries. So that cautionary thing we had to put. Second thing is we were part of headquarters of ISRO. Decisions were taken by ISRO and it was our job to convince the department which is also located in ISRO. So it is no real problem for us. The, the two ISRO and Department of Space Secretariat worked very closely and we were benefited by uh, Secretary Selaita, you know, uh, at the time, additional Secretary Session, who understood us very well, who had also come from atomic energy and was one of the chelas of Sarabhai. So we had really no problem. We had really no problem. Yes, there were some cases where we were doing joint projects with atomic energy. I remember one very well, uh, setting up a beryllium extraction plant and followed up with a beryllium machining facility in Vashi. It was entirely atomic energy technologies. So uh, you used to get audit queries on that uh, project because project got delayed by nine months uh, because there was a sand uh, uh, this thing in uh, Bombay and they couldn't get sand and the monsoon was terrible so they couldn't build so anyway, we had to defend them we had to defend as one of the beneficiaries of the beryllium plant and as one of the investors of the beryllium plant we had to defend atomic energy and uh, we used to do that the whole idea was cooperation not competition work together let everybody benefit don't do anything illegal of course and then so this is this is how the program worked uh, and the auditor i remember a case where when this inquiry was going on i was invited in bangalore our office and uh, the auditor uh, the number two man in the auditor general's office in delhi uh, after an argument about this beryllium and some other project came up with a very surprising kind of bargain he said you agree to what i'm saying on beryllium and we will drop all things when it comes to udmh i, <laughs> I thought this was absurd this is kind of fish fish market bargaining 
by the auditor and uh, a senior man in government of India in Delhi. So I said, no, under no circumstances will I agree to that. I'll stay by my stand. I'll give it in writing if you want. So that was the end of the matter. So we used to have a lot of uh, uh, things which were unusual in government because in government, Narayan, you've got to be very deferential. That was the culture, but not in ISRO. Young organization, okay. We had great people in headquarters and in the centers uh, who were very excited working for the program. And originally, we were excited working for Sarabhai. So they were not unnecessarily deferential. They were logical. The, many of them had come from IITs and uh, things like that. I had many colleagues who had come from IITs, both in uh, ISRO Satellite Center and Vikram Sarabhai Center and Space Application Center, which is in Ahmedabad itself. One of the aspects that uh, I also wanted you to address is um, what is the difference in mindset when you approach public companies and private companies, SMEs, when you approach them, was there any mindset change in, because the incentives are quite different, right? Because uh, for a private company or even an SME in that sense, the incentive is to kind of stay alive and, you know, have ISRO as a customer and ultimately the profit goes down to proprietors and shareholders there. But then the incentive for a public company is much different uh, where they're looking at supporting the space program and ultimately it's, uh, you know, that's the mandate of the public for the public company serve the public in essentially. So do you see any difference in them when you approach them with respect to projects? I have to talk to you about what uh, used to happen uh, three or four decades back because I left the program in uh, 1988. Do you get my perspective? So I don't see very great difference between public and private. Okay, public sector uh, had this problem of uh, being very comfortable with itself. So they didn't, uh, they didn't really have to stretch themselves. They would. I mean, they would stretch themselves because we were ISRO, we were government, a fellow government and all that, we could put pressure. So apart from that, there was no real enthusiasm about being associated unless they found some project where there was a common interest. In the SMEs, there was a genuine interest. They wanted to upgrade themselves technologically and they all knew that the only way to do it was getting involved technologically in higher technologies and higher technologies future so that's what that was the difference in approach and th this difference in approach we used to leverage and they used to appreciate that because we would give them access to our facilities to our people to our technologies so even though we were a high security zone they they could have access they could walk in they could show a pass and then walk in so i mean so this also resulted in many relationships being built between different sections of different divisions in different ISRO centers and different industries uh, all over the country. So this, you can see the effect of it now. Now that space is being opened up and private people are going to build satellites and launch satellites with, with official or unofficial help from ISRO, and they're going to make launch vehicles, which you're aware of. So how did all this happen? It was over a period of time, it didn't happen overnight. It was over a period of time that a number of 
people, engineers, technologists, scientists in the private sector had this ISRO access somewhere in their careers and it has led them to start companies in the space sector. You're seeing them now. You're seeing them now going to give competition. Dr. Siddhartha, 30, 40 years back, used to argue vociferously that we must open ISRO to private sector. We must proactively open ISRO to private sector. It was too premature at that time. Nobody was willing to listen to us. Everybody used to laugh and say, how can they do it? when we are taking so long to develop and we are facing so many challenges they don't even have the money how will they do it now that has all been proved wrong see what is nasa did see what french uh, france is doing germany is doing i mean i don't think russia is doing much but i don't know if china is doing anything but japan is certainly doing it so isro is now india has started doing this now we, I, I set up the, I got the sanction for the cabinet to set up Antrix, which was supposed to be a forerunner for space industry cooperation, for sale of satellites, for export of satellites, for export of launch vehicles, services, everything. So that was uh, in 1970, that was in 1978. I got the cabinet sanction for it. Okay, but it's taken a long time. But Antrix has done well. Now another company has been set up. A, Overseeing company has been set up there uh, for uh, not only promotion but also regulation of uh, dealings that lead to large exports, large cooperations and exports, collaborations and exports. Beyond technology transfer and buyback schemes, were there any interests from both ISRO and the industry for that matter to come up with any other research and development collaborations that can happen with the industry or in the industry because from what i see today you know with many of the vendors uh, that have been working with isro for a long time is that they're very capable with respect to manufacturing they have very good machines they have very good manufacturing capabilities and they're very good uh, you know technical people who focus themselves on you know process and quality and things like that but if you go down to many of the industries that are today working with ISRO and serving the larger space and defense and aerospace ecosystem, the one thing that I notice with a lot of these SMEs is that um, a lot of them don't have design level knowledge and uh, they, they have essentially over the last 20, 30 years mostly acted as contract manufacturers, including larger companies like you know, Walchan Nagar or even Godrej for that matter with the engines. I'm wondering, you know, when can there be a shift where industry can invest in R&D on its own or industry can be incentivized to be to have R&D of its own and essentially industry can compete to develop their own product? That's a pretty difficult campaign that needs to be undertaken. So there are a couple of things. ISO had a program called space science program are you getting me space science a large number of projects under the space science program were with other public bodies or institutions r d institutions but a few were with private sector also to enable them to develop their research competence or research and development competence so 
I can't, I don't remember specific uh, projects right now, but there were quite a few. My colleague, Dr. Chakravarti used to handle this. There was always this realization that we have to go beyond the immediate. We have to go beyond the immediate requirement, like technology transfer or buyback or whatever. We have to go beyond. We have to go beyond to develop a holistic competence. I do not know how well we succeeded when it comes to competence with respect to space science, research, competence in research, etc. Through our uh, consultancy scheme, many bodies in the private sector, many private sector companies, small, medium, used to work with our people and develop competence in that process. The indirect way of developing competence. Like I mentioned to you about the Hyderabad company that developed the competence, thanks to us, for making uh, uh, solar panels of uh, space quality. So like that, there was a diffusion that was taking place. So in a formal sense, there was a scheme. I, I do not recall how much that scheme benefited private sector companies in developing research competence. You talked about um, spin-offs and some of these examples, excellent examples with you know even the apples ones that you quoted and so on. But what I fail to recognize is that there has not been any systematic tracking and you know economic modeling of a lot of the spin-offs and the benefits that I've passed on to the larger economy of the country over you know 30, 40 years of time. And there are, of course, a lot of these mentions in uh, in ISRO and you know in the public sphere in some of the press statements and so on but unfortunately we have uh, you know not modeled a lot of this economically and this must have been you know something that social scientists and economists could have done uh, while keeping track of uh, the spin off and communicated to the larger public on how the investments made in space have affected the larger economy of the country and i think you know some of the countries like us have done this uh, you know with nasa and other institutions of course but you know how why do you think that um, we missed out on this or are we or do, have we missed out at all okay number 1 nasa quantified this spin off benefits to the uh, us space program to nasa program uh, spin-off benefits. NASA came to, uh, did a fairly comprehensive study and came to the conclusion that the indirect benefits, that is the spin-off benefits, they call them the indirect benefits, were about three times the direct benefits. That is, they launch a satellite, there are direct benefits. But the indirect benefits, essentially through spin-offs, was three times NASA did a quantification and came with this. This was used to justify the space program in NASA. Next, I do not know of any other country doing it. When it came to ISRO, I was to attempt this. You see, it so happened that I was I was wearing three hats. One was technology transfer and industry cooperation. The other was chemicals propellants, a very big area chemicals, propellants, special materials, all that. And the third was I was the director of budget and economic analysis. So this was, strictly speaking, my portfolio. I had to do economic analysis. I did not do this 
satisfactorily because we were still in a period where we were investing in R&D. See, the only uh, success we had when I was there was SLV and the satellites. But there was no ASLV. ASLV both had failed. PSLV had not yet been taken off, not even one successful flight. It was one year or two after I left that it happened. So the huge investments were going on into the growth. So my role during that period of heavy investment was to ensure that I could get budget approved from Delhi for our program as the budget director. So this is, this is a very difficult task for me. It was a very difficult task because uh, Manmohan Singh was uh, the planning commission uh, vice chairman. So it was very difficult to get any money out of him. So I had to you know, play all kinds of tricks to make sure that we were funded because we were going through a growth period, heavy growth period. And Manmohan Singh used the argument with me that you are an R&D organization. You should grow by 5%, 10%. Whereas I needed 50% more the next year and the year after that. So this is, you know, we were talking of a program growing from 70 crores to 300 crores in three years. So I had to put pressure on Manmohan Singh, otherwise we wouldn't have got money and the program would have grown to a halt. Uh, so since I had, I had only some uh, support in terms of manpower for this analysis, economic analysis, very rough economic analysis on my part, showed that at that time, the spin-off benefits, unlike NASA, three times the direct benefits, I could not show much of indirect benefits because we are still in the we are still at the cusp we still had to go some distance we are still investing so this was you could say a failure on my part i really didn't do it i couldn't do it because i didn't have figures now if i do it i think i will be in a better position or even if i had done it 10 years back i would have been in a better position thanks for your uh, very clear and uh, honest opinion and uh, you know on this and i i wonder you know if this you know, should you know, be something, something i have to tell you right if once we really start exporting okay and we start exporting our spin offs okay which you started doing actually something is going on uh, then we'll be in a position to quantify this at least honestly or uh, at least reasonably well and you will find that since our investments compared to other countries for the same product are very much less okay and if we start exporting the spin-offs you will find that we are second to none because we are you know 60 70 percent or more of a satellite or a launch vehicle of isro is indian totally indian it's not the case with other countries and whereas the spin-offs if you start exporting they could be at they could be with market forces. One of the things that is fascinating to me is that, um, you know, you were recruited out of uh, IAMA and I guess, you know, that's a larger vision where possibly, you know, the likes of Sarabhai could see that uh, alongside technology or core technology people, there were techno entrepreneurial people who were needed in all of this. And today I see that... Um, it was an exception. The space program was the first, I mean, a nuclear program was the first to do it. So I was the chairman of the nuclear program. 
it was the very first to do such a thing in government of india we were an exception in the government of india after that it spread to others bhl did it and many other companies took over after sarabhai said example it then it slowly became the norm in other government departments and you know i wonder you know it's worthy to even recruit economists social scientists and others in the space program as of today because um, you know these people cannot work in in the private sector because there's no incentive for social scientists and economists to work in the private sector with respect to the space program and it's and it's something that isro has to do in that sense to map this and create enough information for the public to say that why the public needs to support space and what is the benefit of you know doing more science in the country i can uh, quote what happened 40 years back okay in the 70s dr kirit parik well known economist was recruited by dr sarabhai in the in the atomic energy program he was my colleague in the nuclear program in headquarters okay outstanding economist next a handful of social scientists were recruited under the site project if you remember the satellite instructional television experiment project which for the first time used the ats6 satellite of nasa to broadcast direct satellite programs directly into india it was joint program of nasa and india isro i mean at the time isro yes nasa could not keep its uh, uh, target and instead of uh, thousand uh, sets or 10000 sets they did a half whereas isro exceeded its uh, quota and set up 2500 sets i'm talking of television sets receiving directly from the satellite we are talking of 1976 we are talking of that early days that is how uh, tv came to india first so there were social scientists very wisely recruited by dr sarabhai to study what is the impact of these rural programs tv programs which were partly designed by social scientists and isro had a very special team called satellite instruction television experiment team and they set up a developmental education cell even there even now it is there in uh, uh, space application center so there is they have done some pioneering work i don't know how much this pioneering work was recognized or seen as an example but i think it was isro i think isro was a pioneer i mean space was a pioneer you will find uh, those people a uh, few of them still there in the space application center and in the development education communications unit do you get a sense that uh, isro has become you know from a time that you were possibly from your own you know let's say connecting to your venture capital development phase of your uh, career that has grown you know from a young startup to a giant multinational corporation kind of organization do you get this feeling now very much very much see even when i left isro i can't think of very great launch vehicle project pslv is still going on and i was contributing to it but you know it had not yet been launched aslv two flights had failed only slv had succeeded satellites were going on so you compare that with what has happened 30 years later within these 30 years uh, pslv has become a workhorse uh, workhorse platform for isro many satellites gslv irs satellites a standard 
so now they're talking of uh, more ambitious things like uh, moon and mars and all that i don't really care for them very much that's a different matter i was always against those things but it is a big why is it a big fellow other countries are interested in isro for its services its launch vehicles its launch services its satellites its payloads etc because they cannot get these things cheaper than what they can in isro and they cannot get it in a very cooperative collaborative manner than they can with isro so this is going to be uh, this is going to uh, be in the future of isro that is a global player right now you are a small global player later you can become a standard global player i doubt if you'll ever become a huge global player but that's it that's a different matter but you can be a global commercial player in space did you have any let's say things that you wanted to do and it never took off or for inisro or you know things that you thought that uh, could have done differently that you can talk about uh, yeah uh, there are a couple of things which i, I think i was uh, totally opposed to the one one or two things which uh, which i could not fathom after the first failure of aslv the augmented satellite launch vehicle we went ahead with the second flight without properly diagnosing what went wrong in the first flight i felt that there were enough clues in the first flight flight performance to decide what went wrong and set it right before going for the second flight i thought this was a blunder which retarded the space program by a couple of years this is a blunder because both were failed both failed so this was one thing failed second when i started my career on the very first day i joined isro from atomic energy i came over from bombay to bangalore there was a thick file waiting for me and when i studied it i got a shock of my life that was a project being pushed by isro and being promoted by professor davan an aeronautics man for making crude oil out of rare vegetable oils so they were calling it space crude giving it a fancy name i went through it and found that it was such gibberish it was uh, not just chemical engineering just common sense and they had also persuaded one of the state governments west bengal government to support them in this so i was asked to go to west bengal and uh, i and it cut a long story short i decided that this was being pushed left and right into in the newspapers people were praising it all over the country and uh, so i had to kill it so this was one of those occasions where i had to kill a project before it became too dangerous so i had to kill it i wrote a long note fortunately on the other side there was a great economist ashok mitra who was uh, uh, minister of finance for west bengal government marxist fellow and uh, he understood this and that was the end of it and it caused a lot of heartburn among my own colleagues in isro they thought i was you know i was demolishing them but we had to save the reputation of the organization before it became too too bad so these are some of the things that is negative things i had to do and positive things i had to do where you know otherwise 
apart from that aslv um, blunder on our side i i found that practically anything that i wanted which i was keen on was approved as long as my boss was there and even after uh, satish jawan retired and your out to cover i had no uh, hindrance uh, and that was i wanted very keen, i was very keen to develop an internal entrepreneurship development program this entrepreneurship development program i was at set my heart to it so i developed three four entrepreneurs within isro encouraging them to get out and start their entrepreneurships with the blessings of isro this was a very pioneering project we had given them our blessings said you go if after two three years you want to come back you are welcome to come back but these are the supports we'll give you so this was i think two three more than that teams went out of isro we are encouraging them to go out this row so this is an entrepreneurship development program and while doing this we were we had to mentor them uh, i had to personally took a lot of interest uh, both with my you know technology background and i am background how to become an entrepreneur what are the challenges and this and that i used to go around and give lectures uh, in the isro centers and uh, so entrepreneurship was encouraged and isro was the first in government to the government of india with the pioneers to have an entrepreneurship scheme for its own people and the scheme was attracting interest within isro particularly the vikram sarabhai space center space application center and as a result the word spread around that you know some classes are being conducted for potential entrepreneurs and so outsiders used to come and join my classes so this was another thing that uh, put my heart on entrepreneurship scheme so when i was doing this i came across uh, the fact that uh, the company country completely lacked venture capital it we were zero in venture capital whereas other countries like korea and uh, uk and of course were far ahead and following the example in us so i started simultaneously a campaign for venture capital and this campaign i could not convince my own colleagues in the space program the bureaucrats nobody uh, the session was sympathetic but uh, he was not the person to promote this so finally after many years in 1984 i got an appointment to the then new finance minister mr vp singh had a half an hour appointment i went and told him about the need for venture capital in the country and how there is not enough uh, support has to come from government in our country before the private sector can take over and private sector is no position banking sector itself was uh, hardly anything so private sector hardly ex didn't exist for banking so i told him he listened to me very patiently he didn't open his mouth at the end of it half an hour told me thank you mr sudarshan i will do something so i went away came back to bangalore two months later was february that was his first budget you can imagine the surprise i got when he announced 100 crores for venture capital in 1984 budget 1984 or 85 so that was i uh, so enthused that somebody finally is listening in this country so i went around told all my licensees for technology transfer and others that look 
some of you will be eligible for venture capital will push you fund is going to come it didn't come for two years because the ministry people ministry of finance gave that 100 crores to idbi who simply sat on it for two years so to cut a long story short we finally had to keep on uh, you know giving interviews criticizing idbi criticizing ministry of finance etc and uh, finally these people showed interest icici and uh, i got a call strange call saying our chairman wants to meet you and uh, to cut a long story short i left isro and started the first venture capital company in the country that was tdici now called icici ventures so this is a very i had strange experiences like this could you recollect any of the you know industries that have, are working with isro today that have benefited from uh, this venture capital scheme venture capital was not only for uh, isro licenses it was for everybody so one of the people who benefited was who did consultancy to uh, we provided them consultancy on this uh, satellite uh, panels you know okay it is called res at the time its name was res renewable energy systems hyderabad res another company which had to make carbon composites is in pollachi in tamil nadu carbon composites and the name of the company is advanced materials i think i'm not sure forget now 30 years back advanced materials okay pollachi for making carbon composites for making carbon fiber sorry carbon fiber and carbon cloth you know carbon cloth we needed in fairly sizable quantities as the liner for our nozzles solid propellant nozzles liner inside it has to withstand very high temperatures so it's ablative burning has to take place so it requires that kind of material carbon carbon composite was like that we had to use the combination of carbon composite and glass fiber composite both so these are some of the i told you about uh, uh, the com- company in uh, andhra andhra sugars so we know that you know tata has been involved in um, several new sectors over the last uh, you know 5 6 decades or even before that in creating new sectors or even you know being the first actors in many such sectors including airlines and other things so i was wondering that why hasn't you know a company like tata entered space as an area where once you know commercial communication satellites and others were becoming a reality in us and other places in the 60s and the 70s uh, you know why would a company like tata or somebody else you know who who are large companies in india did not enter or collaborate with isro to eventually you know produce either dth satellites or other communication satellites uh, to to serve requirements in india i i also wondered i don't have an answer but let's take the larger issue of tatas and uh, uh, space let's say my association started with jrd i was a very young fellow in atomic energy in bombay jrd was in the atomic energy commission and i was assigned always to escort him to the uh, atomic energy commission meetings so he got to know me used to call me by name so that was jrd always looked upon him as a father figure and the whole program atomic energy used to look upon him as a father figure setna was there even sarabhai they all used to respect him so much uh, and he was a source of wisdom for the atomic energy program now let's come to ratan tata 
Ratan Tata, very long association, very, very long association, uh, right from the beginning. And uh, he had a group, a planning group in Bombay House, his headquarters. And he wanted me to join that group. I was not prepared because I had just moved over to Bangalore and I was not keen on going back to Bombay. So I went, met him and gave my logic. But we maintained some kind of uh, a small, uh, you know, contact. Then I had an opportunity to invite Ratan Tata to ISRO headquarters in Bangalore. I was very happy to do that. And I, I was asked to escort him around and explain things to him. So I took him for a meeting with Professor Dhawan and then with, for a meeting with Professor Yorrao in the satellite center and then explained a lot of things about the program to him. And it so happened by coincidence that I just come out with a booklet, 100 page booklet, which I brought out every year that the first one came when uh, Ratan Tata uh, visited us in headquarters and brought out that booklet called Indus Space. That is industry and space, Indus Space. So this was uh, in the mid 80s. So I presented this booklet to him and he was very happy because we had brought out the exact details of collaboration with industry, space and industry. So that was in great detail. I don't know whether they bring it out now. Uh, I bring it out regularly when I was there. Then I told him about during that meeting, I told him about composites. We were probably the pioneers in India making composites. We needed composites for the upper stages, motor cases. So there were Kevlar composites, carbon composites, all kinds of composites. Nobody else in the country was anywhere near that for any application. And we knew that, I mean, there are many potential applications. He was very attracted. He was very interested in this. And the germ of an idea started here for him to set up the Tata's diversification into advanced materials, which is in Bangalore. The company is in Bangalore. They diversified into that. And they were making Kevlar motor cases. We, we, we were making Kevlar uh, composites for uh, upper stages. And here, Mr. Ratan Tata found a logical application for them, for ground. And the ground applications are for the armed forces. The Kevlar vests are armor, are a kind of armor for the soldiers, Kevlar vests. So they had apparently bagged big orders from the defense forces until about 30 years back. And they were supplying, they started supplying Kevlar vests. But before that, I had advised him, please, Mr. Tata, don't do anything on advanced materials. That is a couple of years before they went in for this uh, company. Don't do anything at all till you do a survey of what are the op opportunities in this. Then he said, who will do the survey? I said, I got the man for you. So I asked Mr. C.R. Satya, who was the number two after Kalam, he was reporting to Kalam, C.R. Satya, to take on this job of doing a consultancy project from ISRO to Tata's. And he did that within six months. He was very knowledgeable, he did that. And that uh, uh, that uh, report was accepted by Mr. Ratan Tata. And that was the basis for the company called Advanced Materials, which makes composites, vests, and other things. So that is the story, that is the germ of the, you know, that is the inception of 
advanced materials, an industry into which the Tata's diversified. But they are making other products, obviously, in this. I was allowed to visit it once. Uh, so this is one clear example of how an intimate relationship was developed with Tata, Mr. Ratan Tata's team, and this was done. It led to an industry by itself. And they did it very fast, the Tata's. And Mr. Satya so happened that they liked Mr. Satya's association so much. Satya was a very practical man and also a very good technologist. They, they gave him a job in Tata's. A poor Isro uh, had, to lose, uh, had to lose Mr. Satya and joined the Tata's. And finally, see, I used to go around telling people the heads of various divisions in, uh, in the best way to transfer technology is to transfer people. It's not just agreements and things like that and technical stuff, but people. You must allow that. So partly our entrepreneurship program that I set up and examples like CR Satya helped in transferring technologies and doing an outreach with industry, which Mr. Tata appreciated a lot. And Tata's, to come back to your basic question, why not satellites, etc.? I can only answer this philosophically. Um, I have to go to the ethos of uh, Tata's. The Tata's, thanks to JRD, started Air India. The Tata's, not only JRD, but even Ratan Tata, still maintain an interest in aviation. Their interest in aviation is strong. It's now coming back to ownership of Air India, either directly or indirectly, after 30, 40, 50 years. So aviation is in the Tata's blood. They were divested of their main baby, Air India, where they were pioneers, they were divested. Now they see an opportunity for it to come back to them. So basically, they are keen on aviation. I don't think they want to be distracted with anything else. Also. It is possible they have not done a market survey about satellites and things like that, even though uh, you know there's some interest in it. Because when I took uh, Ratan Tata to the satellite center, he was damn interested. He spent an hour there in the satellite bay, assembly bay asking all kinds of questions. But I don't know if it is in their commercial interest or if they're really given thought to it. If they do a market survey for satellites, etc., or join hands with this row, they may find uh, <laughs> renewal of interest in these areas for them. But please remember, they want aviation at any cost. Others are less priority to them. They may come to um, subsystems of aviation like avionics, which is very important for space. It's also there in airplanes. So things like that, they may come to it, but they're not in it right now. They want aircraft. They want to run aircraft. They want to develop aircraft. And I know this for a fact because long back, 30 years back, when NAL, the late Rodam Narsima, who passed away last week, Rodam Narsima uh, was the director. I was a kind of advisor to National Aeronautic Laboratories, and uh, I was going to Bombay, and he told me, "Can you have a word with Mr. Ratan Tata on this? That we had a project, a nine-seater airplane project, 
Saras, I think. Yeah. Uh, so I went to Ratan Tata and told him, I, I don't know aeronautics myself. I told him, but you know, I was moved by his knowledge about aircraft. Ratan Tata. I thought it was only uh, JRD, but Ratan Tata was also very knowledgeable. He said, no, it cannot be this. It has to be a turbofan. He made it very clear to me what kind of aircraft he thinks will work. He, he might have been wrong, but he had a clear idea about what he felt was right. So that was uh, Ratan Tata. So definitely that uh, project was set up. Uh, advanced materials, it's in Bangalore, for making Kevlar and other products, Kevlar, carbon composites and so on. So that is one clear example. But looking at it, looking at the size of Tata's, uh, you're right. They have not had many, uh, many adventures with the space. Yeah, one of the questions that I wanted to follow up with you is on the leadership with uh, with ISRO and you know ISRO chairman over the course of uh, five or six decades or so if there was like a stated overarching policy on every single aspect of technology and its application to society in India with space there must there could have been a certain connect between different chairmen of ISRO that could have happened over generations of different chairmen but unfortunately, you know, there is um, not that happen happening, and also that um, most often politicians in in India don't care about you know what happens in space technology or other science related aspects as such. So there's no direction laid down by the public representatives in any case for you know technocrats to follow. Eventually, how do you see this? You know, from your lens over. The course of 50 years of your time between atomic energy and space and others no question the overarching interest in society and societal development social development socio-economic development uh, the person who was devoted to it was vikram sarabhai absolutely devoted so you can see it in every project particularly the site project satellite instructional television experiment plus every other project of isro uh, but Sarabhai died. I joined in 1970 and he passed away in 19, uh, within two years. I would say that his successor and my boss, my subsequent boss, Satish Tavan, when I joined ISRO, he was my boss, was equally committed to societal development. Though he was, he did not, he was not a social scientist like Sar Sarabhai was instinctively a social scientist. In the case of Tavan, people don't appreciate that after Sarabhai died and Dhawan took over as the chairman, the organization was actually led by a triumvirate, like the Roman triumvirates, you know. Dhawan as the chairman chief, <coughs> Brahmprakash in charge of uh, Vikram Sarabhai Space Center and Yashpal, the famous Yashpal in Space Application Center. These three together were totally faithful to Sarabhai's philosophy and continued with Sarabhai's philosophy for decade. They, 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 they actually built the space program. Sarabhai envisioned it. It was these people who built it. So for more than a decade. So it was a fantastic triumvirate. And we were very lucky that Sarabhai was succeeded by these three great people. After that, this is after a period of 15, 20 years, 15 years, 
I do not see anybody having that kind of social connect. Your Rao certainly was not. He succeeded Dhawan. He certainly was not. Then Rangan, hardly anything. One by one. Uh, Madhav Nair, no. Radha Krishnan, hardly anything. Radha Krishnan, incidentally, I was his boss. I trained him. He was my manager in the budget and economic analysis. Much later became chairman. And all the others, none of them is really a social scientist. So that social connect was not there with them. It was not in their blood. So it was there with Defreti, Sarabhai who pioneered it, and the three people who succeeded him as a triumvirate, Eshpal, Brahmprakash, and Satish Dhawan. They were faithful to Sarabhai's philosophy, utterly faithful. That is what strengthened the organization during a very difficult time after Sarabhai died and set the future for the organization. But the social connect slowly disappeared. I mean, I'm just wondering, uh... You know, what, what will it take for the new generations of uh, program managers and project directors and mission directors and directors and chairman and everybody else to connect back to that? If you ask me an honest answer, I don't know. So they have to be trained, I guess. There, see, many of them have not seen Sarabhai. Some of the chairmen now, I don't know if Sivan has ever seen Sarabhai. They have not seen him. So they, they really don't know about his philosophy, about his social connect. They don't even know the people in a space application center who may have some residue of the social connect in them. So it will be a challenging task to reconnect them to the social connect of Sarabhai. But it is indirectly happening because as it becomes more and more commercial, as you have Antriks and others, you know, going for export and as demands are being played, placed, Okay, so it has become a given that, you know, this is project is a given, that's a given, these are all givens. So we are living on that uh, givens and we are growing. Growth may have some effect in bringing back a social connect in them, but it won't automatically bring back. It may not even be needed. They must have a program. They must have projects and programs for the social connect. Entrepreneurship is one. They must build entrepreneurship within the organization. I hope it happens. Formation of a group of social scientists and economists to map all of this and having a rolling framework that, uh, you know, numbers can be updated on a yearly basis. I think some of these kinds of experiments can uh, can really, you know, make it that. It must linkages. be done in the headquarters. For example, ISRO headquarters in Bangalore has got the program analysis group. They must do it. I did not do it. The economics part, I did not do it. So it was one of my portfolios. But it can be done now because there's enough material now to map this. Given that, uh, you know, you've seen this for 50 years now, where do you see this uh, moving in the next 10 to 20 years, given that what you've seen, the evolution in the last 50 years, where do you see all of this heading towards in the next 10, 20 years? Is it more towards, let's go more towards building our own space station and start competing with uh, other countries and use more a soft power approach to space? Is it more, you know, let's uh, do a little bit more of the R&D focus and leave the industry to do a lot of satellites and rockets and let's more focus towards, uh, you know, original R&D and then technology transfer back of new generations of technologies. It's a mix of both or, you know, what is your thoughts on this? I think it has to be a mix of all three and you cannot just leave satellites and uh, uh, things, launch vehicles to industry. You have to 
enthuse industry to make more challenging launch vehicles and satellites which you can do only by scaling up your own sizes you got to upsize and from from now on rope in industry right from the beginning when you are upsizing your projects give a bigger role to industry right at the developmental stage for your projects of satellites or launch vehicles and it has to be software as well develop your software so one of the you know more controversial topics i would say in my opinion at least is this um, power structure that uh, isro has to this date that may have served it very well until you know first 10 or 20 years of its development stage of the secretary of the department of space also being the chairman of isro and the chairman of the space commission you know in my opinion that particular structure might have outlived its time uh, because you know the the conflict of interest that it may set upon the person who has to also make the rules and follow them at the same time see who that person is holding all three of those portfolios it uh, has to be very holistic person davan was like that sarabhai was like that even kastur rangan was like that even to some extent you are raw was like that but the others have not been like that so they don't have that competence but on the counter i have a serious problem with splitting up these roles you have to understand that i come from the atomic energy background it was the most horrible experience after sarabhai died when we had setna taking over as chairman and uh, ramanna taking over as director bark two heavyweights so there were the two power centers forget about what the parallel in uh, department of space and industry doesn't matter there were the two power centers ramanna and setna the com- the, the organization the program went into a toss because these two fellows could never get along with each other they were pulling each other down so it was a mess it was a mess for 10 years even after i left isro and uh, i mean atomic energy joined isro davan used to call me and complain davan was in the uh, atomic energy commission He used to complain that these fellows were always fighting so you know i don't want that to happen so even at the cost of some conflict of interest i would prefer in these organizations that you have follow the tradition keep it as long as you can let it go as long as you can but you can think of organization changes below for example the one man could be chairman of all three but the others could be directors of all three like that you could have structural changes of that fashion but there must be one boss if there are two bosses conflicting then that's when the bureaucracy gets in in india you had it once you give the scope for the bureaucracy you had it this has allowed this unitary structure has allowed the bureaucracy to stay away from messing up with the organization if that had been allowed the bureaucracy to be messed up or by now i have very strong views on this and i know that sometimes a thing may sound bad in paper but it is better in fact for sure because you know i have no lived experience of working in isro and you know that's why i'm here to learn about you know how that transpires and how that affects in we never had that conflict uh, you are right maybe you are right that uh, you know it might have outlived its existence and all that 
but I come from a slightly different background where I'm scared of splitting the roles. I would like, for example, Chairman ISRO or Secretary DOS uh, to not have a Chairman ISRO. That should be the same. But you can have people, other roles uh, given to, you know, uh, your seconds, your lieutenants. Beyond the antrics and, you know, the public companies that um, are in India and so on, what is your opinion of uh, how do you ensure that some of these companies in the private sector glow to the global market and you know not just the likes of antrix but how could you equip them to also participate internationally and you know be over time you know grow themselves as the equivalents of boeings or lockheed martins of the world number one close association with them of all our programs to deal with industry consultancy technology transfer that's number one. Number two, we need to identify our people, key people whom we can, we should spare to join these companies like we did with Tata's and CR Satya, without which it will not happen if you want them to grow. Three, you must give them strong buyback guarantees. Four, you can do that by associating them to actually develop subsystems and subsystems for your projects and buying them back as subsystems, not as components. So these are some of the ways in which you can associate with them. But the most important is how do you deal with between their people and your people? Okay, do that. Start with even the program that you have in Trivandrum, training people in space technology, space materials and all that associate the people in industry right from this bring them not just as trainees but as professors lecturers so on so it, it has to be a very close uh, association with industry they must trust you and you must be able to trust them so these are the four ways i think you, you should be able to do uh, i mean work with them but when i look 10 years 20 years 30 years ahead i know that there will be pressure, politically pressure, to go in for moon landings, Mars landings, and so on. I don't know whether they should be given that higher priority. We need communications, weather, remote sensing, geospatial applications, more than anything else. And we don't have enough capacity. Somewhere we are lacking in capacity in terms of whether it's the launch vehicle or the satellites. So even though we have launched a 50 satellites and we have uh, fairly decent launch vehicles we need to scale them up to be able to get uh, what we want but i think that for a country like india i don't want to berate what has been done for a country like india to worry about the mars and the uh, moon and landing and all that is uh, according to me it doesn't make sense we should stick at least on this front remote sensing communications Communication of all types, TV, this, that, everything. And weather, of course. Once it's become affordable, it has become fashionable. Moon and Mars are fashionable now. And Gaganya and all that. It's okay. But that's not my priority. My priority is practical applications. And export. Why can't you export more? One of the things that I noticed is that, um, you know, when you compare India and China for that matter, India has uh, and China, both of them have an extremely large pool of uh, scientists who work abroad or are trained abroad. 
and i have many friends of mine who have done you know phd's in here in europe or japan or australia or us or wherever and you know are are basically trained scientists inside of nasa or you know many other space agencies including dlr and others and unfortunately for me i don't see any like mechanism for their lateral entry into isro or you know in that sense where i would say some of the other space programs like you know the chinese or the mexican or some of the others have such possibilities for absorbing them at really and creating new wings in them to to create those new technologies and for them to head them given that they have the you know built up that experience having worked abroad and all of this and you know this is one of the issues that i've seen affect hundreds of uh, people who i know personally in that sense who are working abroad and would like to go back but it's very difficult to to go back see even in the in the 60s and even in the 70s this was happening quite a few people from nasa except not not nasa necessarily usa and uh, europe were coming and joining isro etc because they had very charismatic leaders here like uh, vikram sarabhai and so on you know very charismatic people so they attracted people uh, they right now for a long time i don't see that happening so far it has not happened and there are many factors one is do we have a role for them okay because there is pressure from internal promotion requirements there a lot of internal people who need to be promoted okay uh, do you have a role for them do you have a clear role for them and can you afford them and if you can offer them something will they come these are all questions that have not been answered what all facilities can you give them so this is a problem with our government setup though it happened in the 60s all the top fellows came from the us etc in the top 60s including uh, professor davan and all okay Wh- what about now it's not happening it's not been happening for a long time even though i remember vaguely that at some stage there was a scheme for this bringing these people here and i know that one or two of my colleagues also came joined uh, isro and moved to eda aeronautical development authority and all that so it's not there you have to do it and i i don't think it's easy to do easy to have such a scheme though there may be people who may be interested in coming back as every year goes by you are finding the gap between the salaries they can get in the us and what we can afford them is increasing not decreasing it's not simply not attractive for them to come back at least if there's a position there's a clear role a position at least that we must create we have not done that everybody may not be interested in salary but role position a challenge that must be uh, that must be identified but there is a lot of internal pressure to accommodate your own people for any new thing that comes i mean it's it's one of these fascinating episodes that uh, that you want somebody to talk about and you know given your experience of almost 50 years now having seen everything it's fascinating to know all the things that you've said and you've been very honest with what you have said so i thank you very much for that not at all i also have known um, dr v siddhartha for 10 years now and it always escapes me that uh, he was I, he was the man who formally started the technology transfer scheme and then nominated me to take charge when he was leaving 
by that time we had transferred two technologies when Siddhartha was there. And I was part of the technology transfer group with Dr. Siddhartha, he was the chairman. And he had actually formulated the consultancy scheme, but he had to leave because of his health problems. He had to go to Delhi. So I took charge. So, all right. Uh, thank you very much, Sudarshan. I You're think welcome. Most was, welcome. Anytime. This was very, very good. Uh, I want to explore a, a newer topic possibly and, you know, gather a little bit more of the thoughts because the two hour information is quite a lot to process. And, you know, it's thank you very much again and uh, all the best.